tonight's episode of the Gamecasters, we talk with the owner behind the fantastic Instagram account, All the Worlds of Stage 07, Lydia, and find out her thoughts on gaming as it relates to education. Stay tuned. gamers we're here with lydia owner of the wonderful instagram account all the worlds of stage 07 <laughs> lydia is a drama teacher and has started sharing the wonderful hobby of board gaming with her students uh you've heard us mention her on the show a bunch remember the missouri debacle as <laughs> she, she and jeff have played games with each other's cool. students via the internet uh thanks for being here lydia we have some questions we would love to ask you uh most importantly we want to know about you where are you from well I, I don't know if you're from missouri we'll find out how long have you been teaching <laughs> how did you get into board gaming stuff like that okay so hello everyone my name is lydia i live in st louis missouri <laughs> now i'm like, it's like, like what i else? work in a button factory yeah. yes i do <laughs> now it's like i live in st louis missouri i actually don't know where i was born because i was actually adopted <gasps> really so my biological family adopted me from missouri not missouri missouri, missouri. <laughs> <laughs> just like people if they come from illinois it's not Illinois. No, it's yeah. Illinois. Yep. And it's pecan, not pecan. And it's Ooh. Detroit, not Detroit. Correct. There you go. <laughs> but I, I I was adopted, so I live in St. Louis and I teach. So I'm certified K through not K through twelve, but like fifth grade through twelfth. And I currently teach in University City. Missouri, which is kind of like a, like a small kind of county within like St. Louis. Sure. St. Louis is very interesting because there's like different places within the place. So like St. Louis is kind of like the umbrella and then just isn't, yeah. isn't other things. Like something like proper. Which one? Isn't that called like proper? Like, like St. Louis proper. proper? No, it's not Seattle. Like in Seattle, but you're like, oh, not I don't know. like, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> I have no idea. Right. Natalie, your credit score is really high. Look at the one with the arch. That's the arch, right? That's the arch yeah. place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The gateway but, um, to the west or something. But yeah, so yeah, like yeah, gateway to the west. And Ha-ha. you got but, that. But um, but right now it's like I used to teach in rural district. It, uh, I drove in my first year of teaching an hour and fifteen minutes away. Shut up! Um, oh. I was the only person of uh, color hired there, so really? that was an experience. Yes. Oh yeah, what was that like? It was, you know what? It was. Did you, let me ask you this. I don't yeah. mean to cut you off. Did you know that when you were hired? No, actually, I assumed because there wasn't a lot of diversity up there. Yeah. But um, what was funny? My friend was like, "Hey, you know that district you you kind of worked in?" I was like, "Yeah." They kind of had like a little situation going on, and then I realized that I was the only person of color, and that was like really the only person of color teacher that they've ever had in the entire district. Wow. How so long ago was that? That was maybe four or five years ago. So not very long. <laughs> no, but it's, I, it was a great foundational point because I had a lot of teaching moments. So like to be a positive representation of a person of color, because they had so many stereotypes. They were like, Oh my gosh, like, are you going to be okay? Like, do you carry a gun on you the whole time in St. Louis? Like, are you, because it was just around when the Ferguson uh, protesting was going on. Sure. 
And so they're freaking out for me. They're like, do you need to stay up here, Waymire? And I'm like, no, I'm okay. Uh-huh. But we ta- I learned a lot about their cultures. I learned about coon hunting. Oh. <laughs> about beaver hunting. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> they brought chickens into my classroom. What? So you, this is rural. You said rural. Yeah, yes. like, they, rode, rural. They, they rode tractors and horses sometimes. They would have so ma- special days. So maybe that was Missouri. Yeah, that was yeah, Missouri. That was you Missouri. live in Missouri. Missouri. You were in Missouri. <laughs> yeah, that's not Missouri. <laughs> it was so interesting because it would be like, ride your horse to school day. And I'm like, what? oh, okay. Yeah, or tractor day. And what grade? What grade were, like, were you hired to teach? High, high school. That was my that was my preferred grade, and still kind of my preferred grade. Um, it was just nice to have the experience to teach, and it was just it was just really cool. And this but is your this was your first teaching experience. My first teaching experience. <laughs> wow! Ever. So you, you taught a lot more than what what subject yeah. do you teach? Drama, uh, speech and theater. Oh. Speech and theater. Okay. Yeah, so you, and in my first year, I won teacher of the year. Ooh, nice. So yeah. Wow. So that was, but it was, it was interesting because with me winning that award, it kind of turned the community against me, like in this, in the school environment, I had a lot of support from the kids and the parents. Oh, I see the other teachers. It- yeah. Because how they did the teacher of the year was like, it was passed on to the same person. And with me being a new teacher, Wait, there was like an incumbent? Yeah. <laughs> there was like I an took, incumbent first teacher of the year? <laughs> yeah, I took it away from um, a person that was five years teacher of the year. Oh my gosh. And they and were mad about that. Yeah. The teacher was terrible until you came along or something? I, I, I think it was that they were just impressed that a first year teacher and first ever teaching job ever, they yeah. were able to do that. And um, But yeah, so I started teaching up there. I kind of learned a lot of foundations and... Then I decided to make the trek back home because driving for like two years, an hour and 15 minutes and getting up at 4 a.m. is not cool with me anymore. So I was grateful to land a job in uh, U-City. But the theater jobs around here are a little bit tough. So once you're in a theater job, you basically stay there till you die. (laughs) And (laughs) they're very small. And so I decided to go to middle school. And middle school is super interesting. I bet. You gotta, you gotta love the little babies. But I was going from a foundation of kids that can memorize and do high school stuff. Sure. And then getting into an environment where they've had theater teachers not last a year. They've, I, I'm the third theater teacher. So. Wow. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, so like I, I taught and it's really, really cool you know, right now, um, I'm currently in grad school for the second time. I thought I would not do that, (laughs) but, (laughs) um, Jeff can relate that, you know, the education system is not how it is and I want to be able to be more personal. So I am currently at the university of Missouri, St. Louis for clinical counseling where I hope to get specialized in psychodrama that uses their, uh, theater as therapy and, play therapy using board games yes. so i'm excited oh, for that yes That's let's awesome. talk about that a little bit how did you were you into board games this whole time when did that start so i did i'm kind of a late bloomer into like modern board gaming like growing up like you know we had life we had monopoly we had cards we had dice but my friend one day brought over Catan when i was in my 20s i never heard of that one i know <laughs> it, it was so it was like Catan. Catan. Catan, I know. Catan. Right. This, <laughs> this weird box of Catan. <laughs> and I loved it. 
And I started from there. That's the first entryway game for me. Yeah. And then after that, I was like, okay, well, where do I find board games? So I went to the local um, board game shop where those experiences were interesting because they were shocked that someone like me played board games. And so I would (laughs) ask, you know, hey, I just watched this episode on Tabletop with Will Wheaton. Do you have Betrayal on the House on him? They're like, what? They're like, are you in the right building? Yeah. (laughs) What are you doing Are you sure you're supposed to be here? And I'm like, yeah. Is that seriously how how they treated you? Yeah, sadly. Yeah, it's kind of, there's a lot of gatekeepery stuff. It's just, it's kind of like a, like a close club, but yeah. you know, but then when I started spending money on games, they're like, oh, okay. Jeez, yeah, you're right. welcome here. Yeah, everything's you're welcome. cool. Yeah, everything's cool. <laughs> um, so I started integrating that. So I started getting coup. I started getting roll for it. Like all my first layer games were from Will Wheaton. Yep. Because it was yeah, so yep. cool. He was he like, a lot my, of people in. He was like my friend. And I was yeah. like, I really liked how people were playing. Well, and the production values are really good. He made it funny. You know yeah. what I mean? They taught the games well enough. They were simple enough games. A lot of those early ones, you know, like Small World and stuff like that. So I, I can, I can definitely relate to that because Will Wheaton, he did a lot. He's done a lot for the hobby with tabletop. And so that was kind of my way. And then when I was in, I started getting into board gaming with that person that got me with Catan. And then when I started meeting other people, I started working at uh, Pieces, which is a St. Louis board game cafe I used to work at. Awesome. So if you guys ever come into town, I can take you there. Okay. Um, I was a game navigator, so I, I had to learn games to teach, to teach people. Yeah. And so that got me more into the hobby and got me more into different people. And I started exploring and gaming and finding a gaming group. And then kind of going back um, a little bit, I got introduced to more board games when I found out that Gen Con had a trade day for teachers. Oh, okay. I was Wednesday. like, I could get, I can. <laughs> I was did like, you know that, Jeff? <laughs> I, like, I do now. Well, because Lydia and I were going to be there. Yeah, we were going to present we together. Gonna present. Oh, that's right. That's so. Yeah, I have some questions about that later, but spoilers. But, spoiler. <laughs> but yeah, it was um, 2018 or 19. I don't remember. It was someday far, far, far away. But <laughs> I went to see my friend's workshop of RPGs in the classroom, uh, Kathleen Mercury. She teaches about seven minutes away. Uh, and she teaches in a higher, you know, higher district for gifted kids. And I was sitting there in the RPG. It was really large. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I could use this in theater. I could use this in storytelling, public speaking. Everything is great. But the one criticism that I had with that was there was nothing negative about the conference. In that workshop, everything was positive. Everyone was like, oh, I have people that do this. Oh, I have people that do that. And I sat there and I started getting frustrated because who would teach the kids that I teach? A predominantly black audience with trauma, middle school, that don't have the financial resources and the awareness that these games exist. And I'm like, who would do this? And then a light bulb went off and I was like, I'll do it. Yeah, me. I could do it. Me. Yeah. Why not me? And then I was just energized. And I just decided one day to be like, I'm going to do it. And I did it. And I was nervous at first because especially with middle schoolers, if they see something they don't like, they're like, "Mm -mm, I don't like it. I'm not going to do this. Miss Waymeyer, why are you bringing this game here? (laughs) (laughs) But I had to do different 
you know, techniques to get them in it. And the kids loved it. What did you start with? I, oh my gosh, I started with just one. Oh, cool. Oh, that's a good one. But with incorporating it into the classroom, there's a couple of different things I had to do. One, I have a class size of 25 kids. So how can I make this fit for everyone? Right. So I adapted it to be on a Google Slides and use dry erase boards to make it an unlimited player count. Oh, that's cool. That's really And cool. I had kids who would be the choose, like the, the, well, I don't know how to call it, the person who has to figure out the word. Right, right, right. right. Turn their back, have it on a smart board. They, and I organized it from like box one through seven and then one through five. So they would know kind of where to go. They would write the words and then I would go around the room and each person that had the same word had to go down. <laughs> And it's hilarious because you would have 25 kids and only end up with two for the clues. <laughs> <laughs> and so a lot of the games that I brought into the classroom, um, I realized the kids really liked it. So I started consistently doing this thing called Board Game Fridays, where I brought games in every Friday. I used it as an open lab. And we can go more into that uh, just as a reward and like a therapeutic mind break for them. Wow. So that was during the school day. That wasn't yes. after. Okay. So it's so a lab. Was the response like initially positive or did it take you a while to like? Uh, uh, no, it was actually really positive. I was surprised. Well, they're probably because, like, oh, games at school? This is fun. Well, my room kind of became a hot spot because You're the kids would game. go by. Yes. Kids would go by. I'm like, I want to play games. And. I had, it was just really cool. I kept it consistent. Consistency was key. So on every day, like, you know, Jeff would probably know this. You have to have your objective on the board of kind of what you're going to teach. And I made an objective of board game Friday. So I'd have like a funny meme, like, Oh, the face you walk out when it's Friday. So when they come into the room, it's automatically welcomed. And I never had it forced. There was always three choices they could do. One, they could catch up on their work. Because the one thing with middle school, my classes don't really count, unlike high school. High school electives are on the transcript. Oh, middle I see school, there's not, yeah. they could fail my class and, and care less. So they can finish up on work, you know, because if their core subjects are a lot more important, which they are, they could use that time to catch up, which a lot of kids did. Two, um, they could be on their Chromebooks, have free time with themselves. Or three, they could play a game with the Waymire. And <laughs> I'm always last because I didn't want it to be forced. So kind of the setup would be is that you would walk into the room and I would I changed my desk layout to just have like three long tables. I would be at the main table with a game each week. Each week it was a different game. I would have it already set up. And then on the other tables would be like Monopoly or like Uno or Phase 10. Just if someone doesn't want to introduce themselves to a new game, they still feel comfortable going yeah, into something they're familiar with. Yeah. Sure. And so it was really cool because I would get all these regular kids and remind you, I had to be very specific on what games I brought because I only have 45 minutes. Oh, yeah. yeah. So after well, taking and that's not including welcoming them, right? And getting yeah, set up. Attendance. So technically I only have gaming for 30. So that took a lot of me with doing modifications, accommodations for the kids, developing player aids so they know how to follow along. And me knowing how to play the game so well and quick and to the point that we have time to play. That's awesome. Did you run into any 
resistance with um, the administrators at all? Nope. Or were they fully behind you? Nope. They considered me a representative of the district to promote project-based learning. <laughs> wow. I can like chime, I can like back that up because there's, you know, my, my board game club meets after school on Fridays and I'll text Lydia and I'll be like, Hey, we're meeting at two 30, one 30 your time. And she, you know, the, she's built such a reputation with this consistency and these positive um, connections with the kids that she could call out another teacher and say, Hey, can I have so-and-so down to my room so we can connect and play board games with our, our Michigan people. And they would come down. So huh. it's pretty cool. Were you surprised about that, Lydia? Or, or like, well, how did you? A lot of people, like, a lot of kids gravitate to me. It's always a habit. I'm kind of like their counselor, their mentor, their mom. Um, I really care about the kids. So they use my room as a safe space. And some were just like, oh, well, it's just a game. They're just playing a game. However, I've been going to conferences. Like, I went to Game School Con in California to represent the district and my superintendent loved it. My assistant superintendent loved it. Before COVID, I was scheduled for MomoCon in Georgia, Origins, Gen Con in Essen. So- Oh, you were gonna go to Essen. Oh, oh. Ah, you know, oh no! 2020? Oh my gosh. Okay, what were you gonna do at these conventions that you did? Uh, I was teaching a workshop on how to incorporate board games in the classroom. To promote so is this like diversity a panel and that, that the like if I'm going to SN, I can just get a ticket for this panel yeah. that you're mm-hmm. give kind of thing. And Jeff, this is what you were going to do with Lydia at GenCon. Yeah, that was going to be we were going to talk about just how we met and our connection and what I do in the classroom, what she does, and then how we kind of have used that to connect across hundreds of miles apart. Yeah, and the that real cool thing our... with like us and Jeff, like me and Jeff, was that. Um, we I had, we had organized it to where both of us would have the spotlight that we would mention myself, we would mention Jeff, and then we would mention ourselves as a whole yeah. of just board games and technology. Um, because it was, re- it's, it's so, I was, it's so cool. And it was so exciting because they started becoming friends and it's age level differences, but it didn't matter because we all connected over a board game. Yeah, through the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and that was kind of, my main purpose for bringing it into the classroom because it was such a beautiful thing to see kids bond over a game. And I had kids that have autism and I had a lot of kids in the special education department and it was so cool for them to play amongst their peers, like nothing. And I was just, I think that's what I'm missing the most about talking about it because Board games are such a therapeutic and community building. And especially in our times today, like there was no talk of race. It brought everyone together. And especially with Jeff, you know, being able to explore the opportunities via Skype just showed another level of creativity of how you can use board gaming's like across platforms. Absolutely. Wow. Have you noticed that any of the kids... In, like started doing this in their free time, started picking up some of the games at home and playing with their. Well, yeah, a lot of them are like, Miss Waymeyer, can you teach me Phase Ten? Because I want to teach my family. Oh. Mm-hmm. Or hey, where can I get medium? Where can I get this? <laughs> and I told them, I'm like, hey, if you really want this, I will go pick you up a copy and I will send it to your house. You know, and I would have these kids that really like the games as ambassadors in my room. 
for Christmas, like in before winter break, I led a 45 minute game, 45 people game count in my room. And it was so fun. So people that knew how to do the games, I had them at individual tables teaching. We had Telestrations, Medium, Boss Monster, uh, Suro, and then on the other tables like Monopoly and Uno. Yeah. Yeah. All-inclusive gaming there. Exactly. (laughs) And the one really cool thing was that it built a level of independence. And that's what I was going to talk about at my origins and, you know, the new one the new conference is coming up was just how much it builds independence and communication skills. And when people would question, they're like, Lydia, you're just teaching a board game. Why are you doing this? This isn't a part of your curriculum. And I'm like, look, I can make it a part of my curriculum. Actually, before COVID, I was actually in the development of producing a class, RPGs in the classroom, the actor's toolbox, where I would take board games and different RPGs and I still will get it done. It just depends on, how COVID is going to go if we can go back into the classroom. How do you incorporate an RPG into the classroom? So you use it as in just in general or just yeah, in like, well, you, like you were saying before, like with your board game Fridays, you have 45 minutes <clears throat> or really 30 minutes, mm-hmm. you know, and, and when you think of something like an RPG and you know, the scope is huge, right? Or it can be mm-hmm. huge. And, you know, you could spend 30 minutes in one tiny corner of one tiny room making one tiny decision. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you do that? So the one beauty that I had is the kids that I played with Jeff were my advanced drama class. So I used it as a storytelling improv unit. So the whole class, every day, I was doing RPGs in different sessions. So session zero was just comprehension about what the RPG is. Two, the next session would be actually character development because in acting, you have to develop your character, which is so awesome. So they're able to do mermaids. I did mermaid adventures. (laughs) (laughs) And let me tell you, guys love mermaids just as much as girls. (laughs) (laughs) I think mermaids are scary, but... They, they enjoy well, it because Natalie so much. thinks they're real in the ocean. Natalie thinks we're going to go to the no, ocean and she's going to get pulled under by a mermaid. Real. I've just seen like a scary movie once with a mermaid that was really scary. And also there was that weird... What like, movie was this? No, it was like it was that documentary no, on Discovery Channel. Oh, The Little Mermaid. It was called The Little Mermaid. Freaky. Was that The Little Mermaid? Yeah. yeah the Little Mermaid? This documentary we saw on the Disney Channel. Yeah. Whatever. We'll get into that later. <laughs> the Daughters of Triton is what it was called. But, that, but yes. It makes total sense. Like character development. Like, yeah, you can totally apply. And I have a question for you. We are recording, correct? We are, yeah. yes. Okay. Do you mind if I share my screen with you? No, do no. it, please. Oh, okay. I might need I might need to turn that feature on. Yeah, give Do me. I need Go ahead. Nope, you're good now. Yep. Okay. Okay. Uh you're gonna see a lot of my um <laughs> tabs. Can you see okay? <laughs> porn yeah um, um yeah mermaid, mermaid adventures, adventures. Okay. Oh, oh my god so it was kind of like an introduction into storytelling and rpg so with education you always have to kind of give them the students just a basic so i introduced it with this you'll be incorporating acting storytelling and improv all into the experience you know and just in the next couple of slides in key roles so i broke it down based on the manuals of what we had so there are navigators, you know, I was the main moderator. I was the GM. And I said, for one game, I'll be the navigator. And if you like, I'll let you guys be that sure. role. Mm-hmm. Cause the one thing about, you know, theater is building the ensemble. 
you want everyone to be included. And that was one of the things I wanted to really do with bringing board games in the classroom is to make sure everyone has a place and make sure everyone has a voice when we do it. Wow. And so I would do like how to play the game. You know, we talked about scenes and we did a lot of scene works with performance. So it falls right in. Um, and they really had to practice active listening. So RPGs could really be helpful in the public speaking classroom. Because if you were in a debate, you have to make sure that you listen. You have to make sure that you know what your opponent is going to say. So they would have to do that in the RPG. And I did dice information. So I brought my own dice and each um, kiddo had their own dice and you had to go through terminology. So it's also a way of checking for understanding. And if I wanted to make a quiz, which I did, what does a D6 mean? Yeah. They, could, they would have to do that. So even though we're having fun with it, they still have to prove to me that it's educational. Yeah. That they're getting something out of it. Wow. Seriously impressive. Yeah. And RPG seems like a really, now that you've explained it all, it seems like it'd be a really good application for, for school. Uh, because, um, Jeremy, um, the guy, he was, uh, him and I started the podcast back in the day. He loves, he's an RPG. Mm-hmm. He loves RPGs. And he, what he always tells me is, um, cause he's, he's always wanted me to GM, uh, an RPG that he's creating. And he, you know, so he was like coaching me a little bit on, you know, how to GM. And he's like, one of the the main things I always tell people if I'm telling them how to how to GM is, you're you're kind of it's kind of, think of it like improv, right? Where you're always saying yes. Yep. Yes. You know, you know, you're the the you you're encouraging the players to live in this world that you're kind of guiding them through and when they ask if they can do something you want them to have fun with it so you're mm-hmm. you're trying to you know you're always saying yes to them and i could see that being uh you know something that students might find very fun you know the things they do work you know a lot of people yeah. when, they, when they when they think about board games like i know natalie you can testify to this one uh, a lot of people are afraid to get into board games at the beginning or can be because they're afraid to lose right or they're afraid they'll look stupid, they'll look stupid yeah. or they don't want to play because of you know, I don't want to be exposed here, but in, in something like an RPG where it's just all, yes, there's no, right there's no yeah, it's just storytelling. That's a, yeah. Wow. There's, there's no risk. And that's actually one of the things that I was going to talk about in my conference is that I had, I established different rules of how to introduce it into your space. And one of it, there are no errors, even if there are some. Because what you just said, there is a lot of vulnerability when you do board games. You don't want to mess up. And especially in middle school, and Jeff could probably mention just any kid, even in high school, if they mess up on something and their peers are watching, they'll shut down. They'll be like, no, I'm not going to do it. Yep. You know, it's like, we're not going to do it at all. And for example, if an error happens, I approach it in this way. So an example, we are playing Exploding Kittens. You're supposed to draw a certain amount of cards, but someone drew two cards and other kids started following suit. Hmm. So how I would, even though I know the error, even though that's not what the rules say, I approached it with being, hey, you know, the, make sure you're just drawing one card instead of two next time, but keep playing how you guys are playing. We'll reset it when we do. And with that, it just, they know what they did wrong, so to speak. They know the error and they'll fix it next time. Sure. It's I I modify a lot of rules in board gaming to make it so it is easy enough to understand. And even though it's not playing correctly to what the game, they're still playing the game anyway. Right. And That's they're having fun. For them. 
Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. I think they're, you know, they're, we think of as, as teachers, uh, our, our goal is, is at the end of the day, our students learn something and our students learn, you know, in, in some classes, math teachers want them to learn math. You know, a, a lot of times in classes, you want them to learn how to be nice. You want them to learn how to raise their hand. You want them to have these things. And really, if that's the goal, the method at which we get there is, should be up to us. And, and if it's, okay. if it's through RPGs, if it's through something else, that's great. And all these kids have these same problems, not just with like board games, like Ryan said, where people have some trouble getting into the hobby because, oh, how intimidating is it to get into something when, when I'm just playing Catan and they're playing something so much heavier and like, what's this? It's the same thing with kids in classroom. Like, I don't want to raise my hand. Look how intimidating it is. There's all these eyes looking at me. Right. Yeah. And then I'm wrong. And, and now everyone Yeah. Learns. And what's hard as a teacher is, and what Lydia does so well is create an environment where it's okay to mess up and that they feel okay. They, they feel comfortable to make a mistake. Like they can, they can approach her. They can just make a mistake and then everybody's just okay with it because the kids have learned that this is what we do. This is the process. This is, you know, we all go through this to learn something. Cause we've all been in gaming groups where you have like the rules person that is always going to call you out. You didn't do it right. <laughs> You're supposed to do this. And it completely ruins the, the fun out of it. It can. So for I, sure. And so I'm really very aware of my tone when I talk to them and how I address errors because I just don't know what's going on at home. I'm not going to be like, Oh my gosh, you did this wrong. And then they completely shut down because maybe they have family at home that yells at them. Mm -hmm. There's just different factors with that type of stuff that I have to be aware. And especially since there's not a lot of representation of people that look like them in the board gaming community, I want them to at least have a positive representation of someone that cares. So if they do try to find, you know, the hobby when they feel it's time, they know how it is. They know the welcome of everything, which is so key. Do you have any stories um, about a student who, and Natalie kind of touched on this earlier, who you introduced a game to and, um, you know, they maybe told you later, I don't know if this has happened to you, you know, hey, I played just one with uh, my, my friends, you know, over here and we all loved it and now they want, do you have any kind of those, of those kinds of stories that you have, you know, shown your students something and they've come back to you um, and how that made you feel? Mainly, it was one of my girls. Uh, her name was Molly. And she has like a family, like a lot of young kids, a lot of young siblings. And she went out and bought Medium and she started carrying like a notebook and was like, okay, Miss Waymire, this is the game of the day, right? And I was like, okay, where can I find Suro? Can I borrow? And I let her borrow it and she brought it back. You know, I sleeve all my cars before. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because... <laughs> All the games that I bring in are mine. They're my personal property. Sure. Just like Jeff, yeah. yeah. And so I have to establish a responsibility with them and tell them, hey, these are expensive. Don't like bend my cards or yeah. try to take my dice because it's cute. You know, because <laughs> they have to know that we'll lose privileges. Right, You're not... Acceptable. Yeah, it's like I'm bringing this stuff in. And also, if there's a game that I really want them to play... And they prefer to play deep sea adventure. I'm fine with that because they're still wanting to engage in the hobby. Yeah. So even though I made, you know, I wanted to, what did I want? I wanted to bring quacks. I brought quacks to them one time and they're like, can we just really play the mind and deep sea adventure? 
And I'm like, okay. No. <laughs> I know. I struggle with that sometimes too, where I'm like, I, I but bought I real really games. I have this really cool game. Yeah. 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 Like play you cool know? games. <laughs> and yeah. And so there's just a lot of things like as a gamer, you know, if they're like, miss, I've had a lot of kids, miss Waymeyer, can we play Uno together? And I'm like, I know. I do the same thing. Like, Come on. I'm an ambassador for the hobby. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> well, we can me. play phase 10. <laughs> and yeah. It, That's so have cool. I a hard time with that. It's I know. Like, yeah. It, I just want to do really, what I want to do. It just goes to show you the, the, the world of board games, how even mm-hmm. so much more there is than you just, than you think. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, just listening to you talk is, is fascinating about, your perspective on the hobby and how you know you view the hobby as a, a a tool, a gateway for for the children to learn and grow and become better humans in general, and just it's just fascinating to listen to all this. So all the questions I had, I just threw them out the window. I'm just you just talk. Go ahead and just you just say whatever you want. We'll just sit back. <laughs> well, like I, well, I feel this, this big yeah. now. Oh, my wow. stupid little questions. What made you want to start an Instagram account? No. <laughs> but I mean, to add on to that, I just wanted. The one thing that really annoys me about Instagram and board gaming, and I'm going to say it, everything looks the same. Everyone takes a picture of a board game. There's nothing really like unique anymore. Okay, now that's a good segue into <laughs> your boyfriend's account. Yes. Let's talk about playing four games <laughs> for a quick for a quick hot second. If anything's not the same. Yes. All right, so you want to know the first one I, I remember seeing you in, Lydia, was uh, a post that Zach made, and it was uh, one of my uh, favorite forbidden, uh, forbidden Island? Claustrophobia. Claustrophobia. Oh, okay. That was the funniest picture. I saw that. It, so if you guys don't know, it's the box of claustrophobia, like, goes up to here. And then Lydia <laughs> and Zach are, like, this on the top oh, of the Oh, like, they're like, squished. Ah! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. I don't know how – I mean, his account, I know it has grown, um, but I don't know how that's not, like, the – that one of the most popular accounts on the entirety of Instagram because he's so creative. Like one of the things Photoshop. is that he's, he's considered like the Photoshop wizard. Yeah. Like he does everything. Like, so if you see him with like a board, like with his Raiders thing, that's a real board from our table that he's, <laughs> he's put stickers on. <laughs> and yeah, one of the things that, you know, and I'm not going to speak that much for him, but we talk a lot and I was like, I appreciate you for doing something that's true to you. Yep. Because I feel like a lot of people aren't doing that. Everyone's trying to follow a trend and Zach playing for games is just like, I'm just going to do yeah, what I want and make game. it fun. And it's creative. And so like for me going into the board game, like there's not a lot of people that are showcasing my type of kids playing board games absolutely, or any kids. And I don't know if you've seen, I know you've probably seen some of my posts. I always put an educational spin to it on how you can adapt it, how you can modify, you know, and that was why I started it, is just to give a platform for people to know that you can do this in the classroom if you just put a little spin into it and just try. It's amazing. Yeah, not especially just hearing you talk and, ah, I, again, I'm just going to go here. You just do your thing. No, come back. Oh, gosh, <laughs> do you is... ever play games like with your friends? So yeah, so you only I, play games with children. I, <laughs> oh. I mean, look at you so, outside of schools too. 
but yeah, I, I do. So before COVID, I was in a weekly game group, uh, Jamie Stagmeyer's group. He's a really good friend of mine. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. That's I guess cool. We'll get, the in- we'll get the invite when COVID's over. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so like I met him from, you know, a, a friend that used to work for Gray Fox and there's a couple like, you know, greater than game people. I'm actually going to be meeting with my friend to talk more about this. Um, and he was the first group that I've been to where I felt welcomed, you know? Yeah, it was really nice. And I told him, (laughs) no, the first uh, group where she felt welcome. I know it it was because a lot of people, when they look at me, they don't see me as a gamer and they don't think that I have interests in board gaming. And can I ask you a quick question about that? Yeah, sure. I don't Um, care. Do you feel like that was because you're a person of color because you're a woman or both? Um, Well, I find that there's more like Caucasian women more open into the board gaming circles than there are African-American women or any other people of color because there's not a lot of us. And if there are a lot of us, they're kind of nervous to get into it. I have noticed like a lot of people of color play Warhammer or like War Machine. Really? Hmm. Mm-hmm. More, mini- more miniature stuff. Yeah, like more miniature stuff. Huh. Um, but I rarely see anyone that looks like me in a in a board gaming circle. I mean, when I worked at Pieces, I did see some, but it's usually one. And when I would teach people, people would look at me and they're like, "Do you are you sure you know this game?" Ugh. I'm like, "Yeah, I play Clank. I hope you die." <laughs> <laughs> but with jamie's group i didn't see that i did get some like you know a little feelings of some people are like oh this is new but then after they got to know me it was you know it was great and when after jamie put his uh black lives matter statement out i i told him and i appreciated him i was like you're you've always been welcoming to me and i appreciate that so here's a here's a question and, and you you do this with your kids in your classroom, but what do you think as, you know, people listening who play board games, who are probably a bunch of white dudes and miss French toast. Um, like, what do you think? <laughs> what That's Sam, by the way. And, like, what do you think that as a community, as a, like a board game community that we could do to be more inclusive, to be more welcoming? Um, you know, we, we literally have an amazing opportunity where, where we literally have a table like people always talk about like, let us have a seat at the table. Like we literally have a table, like we can let people sit. So I'm curious of what you think we can do as a community to kind of be more inclusive to be more welcoming. I just think just being open. The biggest thing that I think is going to happen, which it's, I'm going to go in a little tired. <laughs> I don't want people to invite me to the table because I am a person of color of course. <laughs> and of because to don't. promote diversity and inclusion, sure. I have a feeling that that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And that I feel like a lot of the board gaming community are going to be searching for black designers just to say that there are black designers out there. Yeah. And um, that's the same thing with my Instagram account. I don't want people to follow me because I am a black educator that teaches black kids. I want you to follow me because of my content and my quality. Mm -hmm. And I actually inspired Jamie to write his fourth statement. I hope to work with him soon on bringing more board games into the community. But his fourth statement on his post, I don't, I I don't have it in front of me. The one thing I told him, I was like, Jamie, you are of quality. You make great games. Don't hire people of color just to have that person. 
you know, don't feel pressured to put the hashtag on there just for face value. So I feel like a lot of people in the gaming community just don't do it for face value. Don't feel needy. Don't feel like you need to have that person or by person of color there. Just treat them like any other person. And if they're interested in getting a game, you know, get a game. I, I did have two adult men at a gaming event where they were going to do he- uh, Heaven and Ale, I yep. think. Yep, Heaven mm-hmm. and Ale. And, and they told me you wouldn't like it. You wouldn't like the theme. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and play Dinosaur Island because they were welcoming. It's all about body language. I think a lot of people are going to be scared now, which is so frustrating because they just don't know how to approach. And it's like when I tell people that the board gaming community isn't very diverse or inclusive, they don't think about it. But when I tell them, it's like when you look at Dice Tower, when you look at all the social media accounts, face value, what do you see? And they're like, oh, you're right. Which there isn't anything wrong with that. Yeah. You know, like getting into the hobby, you, you know, you usually have to have finances because it's very expensive. You have to know people that are about it and you have to be introduced to it. You know, it's African-American people. They do have resources you know, but we just use our resources in a different way. And so one of the ways that I'm trying to get them to use the resources in the classroom in a therapeutic hobby is by introducing them to board games. Now they have this little piece now of where they could go. Yep. Um, but it, it's a hard situation. I just, I'm just very concerned with our community that a lot of people are going to be very forced to do things. It's like I've had people email me and we're like, Lydia, I support you and I support your cause. Or they apologize to me for not protesting and I get offended. I'm like, why are you saying this to me? There's no reason to apologize. You're my friend. And I don't want people that aren't people of color to feel ashamed that they're not inviting people that don't look like them. Because there could be, they don't know gamers that don't look like them. Like, no one is technically wrong. It's just a couple of different tweaks we have to make there. And just if there's a person that doesn't look like you, just be welcoming and open and warm. You are saying everything that I kind of like talked to Ryan about, about this. It's just, to me, it feels like you just use common sense. You just be kind. You know, you don't. Making people feel guilty for or forced or forced is not the best way to initiate change. You know, just do better. And I think what me yeah. and Jeff are doing are like, you know, we teach in a demographic that is predominantly African American. You know, the best thing about board games, they're colorless. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. They're colorless. And like I've shared with Jeff, it's you could put a game, it's about fun. I didn't have to like tell them like, Oh, black people aren't supposed to play board games. You know, (laughs) you know, there was what made me do it more was that I did a lot. I do video tutorials sometimes so they can have the visual approach. And a kid asked me, they're like, why aren't there people more like me that play? Can you find videos like that? And I'm like, you know what? I'll try knowing that there's not a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So I eliminated the video yeah. and had it me 
teach the yeah. rules so they can have that positive representation. Good. That's mm-hmm. a good idea. I just don't want people like I worry and I, and I, and I'm sorry for going on a tangent. No, no, no. Talk as long as you'd like. That with all of this going on in the community, um, I think I recently saw, I think board game geek posted a list of black designers in black and like in board games and there, and I, one of my goals is to go through them because I don't want myself or I don't think that it's right for people to support a person because of their color, like board game wise, because the mechanics may not be good. You know, it's, so I really hope people really think about that and not try to lie to themselves. It's like, if it's a bad game that you don't like, it's okay to say that it's a bad game. Sure. Just don't promote the person because they're black. And I know you guys have probably seen a lot more um, people of color now coming up, you know, from the ashes of board gaming. And it's like, they were there before. Right. Why why now? And is it going to fizzle out? Yes. You know, like absolutely everything's kind of fizzled out. How many people actually mean the things that they say, you know, uh, as, far, as far as their support goes? And right, how are they going to incorporate that? Yeah, like what are you actually going to do? Um, what can you do? You know, so I, I agree with you. Can I ask you a, a couple specific questions, Lydia? Yeah, that you talked sure. About, uh, you talked about the group that you're in with Jamie. That was the first group you felt welcome. Um. And again, this is, you don't have to specifically, you don't have to mention if you don't feel comfortable, but can you talk about what happened that made you not feel welcome in prior groups? Um, I just think people didn't consider me as a person to play games. I was kind of more as a, I don't know how to say this. It's like a tag along. Like most okay. of the games. So they, they not were, give you the time of day. They just kind of, like, yeah. oh, you're just here. And this. it was the same when I would go into like different comic book stores. Yeah. I would walk around the store for like 10 minutes before anyone recognized me. And they would doubt that I knew about games. Um, I don't understand that. And there will always be people that would play games and I would say, oh, hey, I play games. And no one would ever invite me. And I was worried about going into the group because I, I am the only, you know, African-American female that games with him. Mm-hmm. And I was worried. I'm like, okay, well, I'm in a predominantly white setting with a lot of, it was a true gaming group. Like we sure. start at a time. Yeah. And we play at a time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and then it was kind of a fear too, because all of these sport gamers were really into board gaming and I, you know, I'm still getting used to it, but I love the aspect of just playing and having fun and so that you know with seeing it they just saw me as like a gamer they didn't look at my color you know they never mentioned it they just looked for me and that's kind of group yeah yeah and it was and it was nice and it was refreshing and it was therapeutic and I really enjoyed that it was always welcome you know and that's kind of my standpoint with the whole board gaming in my room and whatever educational space is to provide opportunities for people to heal and feel welcome, no matter who they are. There shouldn't be an issue of race. There shouldn't be an issue of sexuality. Just like you guys said, being kind and welcoming, you know, 
Well, I think that's really be, important that's for people. I think that's important for people to hear and to know. You know, that's what you're looking for when you're going into somewhere that's predominantly, you know, a hobby. That's that's most of the people don't look like you. You know, what what are you looking for? You're looking for inclusion, welcoming, like treat me the same as you're treating everyone else. I don't want special treatment. Just treat me the same. Body right? language is key because I've noticed, like when I would walk around people, they would tense up, and that's just because of my background in speech and theater. So. A lot of people need to really focus on that because even though you may seem welcoming, like with verbal, your nonverbal is going to speak more. And right. that's what we're going to look at first. So to go back to Jeff's, like, you know, like how can, you know, a group of white people, you know, promote diversity It's just be very aware and just be yourself. I just feel like a lot of people in the community are going to be scared to be themselves. They're going because they don't want to mess up. They don't want to be wrong. They'll be attacked on social media if they sidestep anything and completely missing the point that it's always been a table. Come sit. Yeah. And it's not anyone's fault that maybe your table doesn't have everyone and that's okay. It does not mean that you guys are not wanting to be inclusive and diverse. And I just hate that I've, you know, people feel guilty about that so that's why it's like instead of people feeling guilty and instead of people you know just posting hashtags and promoting different shops and different people what are you going to do in your community to be able if you're going to be in the board gaming community how are you going to bring it to people and that just strengthens my mission to try to bring board gaming into classrooms around st louis to bring it for those kids that i know therapeutically it can help that it can heal because I've seen it happen in my classroom. It's a, it's a channel of communication for them to continue working with Jeff to expand a little bit more, you know, you know, to to do different (laughs) things. Yeah. And Lydia, you know, one of the things that I always think about is like when, when you know better, you do better. And that's, it's something that when you're being cognizant of like, you know, am I being welcoming? Am, Am I treating my, Am I treating my white students the same as I'm treating my black students while we're playing board games? You know, making, making a conscious effort of, of realizing things and seeing the world around you and then doing something about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, not, not being forced. Not, it's not something that should be forced or pushed upon people because then it, then it becomes a fad. It becomes over with quickly. And we don't want that. Like th- these things should have been happening. Like these. Yeah. It's like, why like, now? It, yeah. And, it's and, bad. and, and if it's now, Great, but it now needs to continue for the rest of our lives. It well, doesn't that awareness to, you guys were talking yeah. about, mm-hmm. right? That awareness now. Okay, now we're aware. If you if you weren't aware now, you should be aware now. And mm-hmm. what are you going to do with that awareness? Yeah. It's. I really just don't hope that board game companies are going to like just start sending games to like communities that are diverse. Because here's the problem: who's going to teach those kids those games? Mm. Right. You're just going to send them boxes of cardboard. They're not yeah, going to know gonna anything. anything. Yeah. yeah. They're gonna be like, I don't care about yeah. this. <laughs> it's just not a, a checked list, you know? Uh-huh. And so it's, I, I want to say something else, but I'm just not sure how it's going to come off. But in regards to games that are by black designers, I feel that it has to be a good representation to be brought into my classroom. Mm-hmm. Because kids see visually a lot. Um, I've never, someone asked me, they're like, have you really thought about like how many games that have been designed by pe- non-people of color? And I'm like, I don't care. 
Because <laughs> you don't, it's just, if they like the mechanisms and they like the game, then why should I think about, you know, anything more? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like the game Rap Gods. And I love, I love Omar. I really do. And, but I, I don't know if I would be able to bring that into my classroom just for fear of like the negative stereotypes that some of the cards have. Sure. Mm-hmm. I deal with kids with trauma. Anything yeah. can be triggering. Everyone has trauma. Sure. Yeah. Eric you Lane know? games probably aren't going to work in the classroom. And so, and you just have to be considerate. And because I don't bring that into my classroom does not mean that I don't support. Of course. You know, I want to have a positive representation of this community because it's for everyone. We just have to be able to provide opportunity for everyone to have a piece of it. You know, and which, so, which is what you're doing in your classroom. You're doing it in your classroom every day. And that's, that's the way that we, we, we be inclusive. We teach kids. So if we're just sending games, like you said, to, to um, like working class communities, we're just sending them there. You know, this is where I feel like there's an opportunity for the game community and the game publishers to utilize like libraries, like librarians can, can teach someone a game and you can check it out or utilize teachers or you or call like a drama and say, Hey, a drama class or or Mm -hmm. performing arts and say, I have these games. I think they would be great for you you know, to introduce to your students, not just sending them to mm-hmm. a house mm-hmm. or just letting them play, like have someone there to include them into the hobby that again is majority white males, like have bring other people into it. Cause one of the things that like I have at the back of my mind that I would love to do is to do like a nonprofit where I teach uh, corporations like game-based learning and how to build, you know, community with them, but then also in schools, like going to each school and I had like a title be like game STL where I go in and I teach people <laughs> uh, board gaming and have events for community building and just have, you know, therapeutic approaches like Devon from black wall street. I use his game as a history tool about the Tulsa massacre. And I develop curriculum for the, I'm starting to develop curriculum for it. So people wow. can use that. And it's just a positive, great game. It has, capabilities for everyone to learn because of the monopoly-esque it it, like monopoly-esque style which is good for beginning people but also it tells a history one of the cards on there which is kind of backs me up with like there are errors you know there are there are no rules if there are some yep there's a card in there called the tulsa riot you lose all your properties but you get a chance to rebuild like mm. what a great lesson yeah. for kids to have that, to know that you've worked very hard for everything and that even though that it's gone, you have a chance to restart. It doesn't end the game. So we need to find more opportunities to be able to present people with that. Find more opportunities in our board game circles to talk about what we can do, how we can get things developed and just make sure that your community is kind. Yeah. I just I'm think like- kindness kindness absolutely i think that you won't be at this job until you die sounds like you're going to be doing other great things hopefully i'm really focusing on the therapeutic because i really want to do play therapy with board games because i've had experiences where i've had a kid that struggled and i just made a tic-tac-toe board and i passed it to her and she started talking and we just started doing hangman and different things and i just think that the element of RPGs and the element of board games can really 
help kids, same with drama, to take themselves out of their own shoes and have confidence to be in another pair. Sure. Yeah, and I know Ryan and I have always spoke about just kind of board games even just being this this a way to escape um, where if I have a lot of things going on at home, if I have trauma going on at home or at school, th- this is, this can be a way to just step away from that yep. for a minute. And that minute can mean the world to a 12 year old. Yeah, sure. Um, and then that can, that's can launch you into the hobby. Like, Oh, board games is, is what I do Look what to, it just did for me. to get oh. away. Mm-hmm. And I've done, and, and I'm, Lydia, you're going to be published here very soon with stuff you're doing, but I've, you know, even read some things and, and I feel you're, going to do it soon but like i've read some stuff about how board games are kind of like soothing for um students and people on the spectrum and how it just kind of allows let me focus on this and you doing it with you know trauma and and that kind of stuff in your classroom it's it falls right in line with that and i'm just waiting to read your published article from (laughs) like it like my my brother um suffers from schizophrenia and I've recently brought board games to him and it was so cool just to see us like all engage over Suro. He beat me several times, (laughs) but it was just, it was just interesting for focus. And I just think if we just keep focusing on things that make us happy, I know a lot of people in the media are criticizing people for like enjoying themselves with everything going on. Yep. But I think we still need to do things that make us happy. And what focuses in on our lives? Because if we focus on everyone else, then we're not going to get anywhere. So, like for one of the things with COVID, like I ran a RPG via Google Classroom, um, and for six different sessions, because I wanted kids to have that opportunity to escape this world a little bit. Yeah. It was interesting. <laughs> it was interesting. We've done that. We've actually yeah, done that too with Jeremy. with Jeremy, the guy we were talking we had about. Like a camera, like pointed down on a piece of paper and he'd draw the map out as we went. <laughs> do, you, do you mind if I share it with you really quick? Do it. Sure. Okay. Do Yay, it, do it. Sh- show and tell. I love yeah, show and tell. Okay, so Jeff would be very familiar with this. So Google Classroom. Yay. Okay. <laughs> so basically I have six classes and so I teach theater and public speaking and I modified an RPG for... March to May as assessments. And so what I've done is that all the way down, all the kids would have all the information and I would set it up via Google forms to where they would know their setting because we're going to be talking about the setting. And I would do Google slides to kind of explain, you know, independently on how they can do things. Lord, this is next level. (laughs) <laughs> I know. What am I doing with my life? <laughs> no. Holy Ryan's crap. Google Classrooms was I got an order track. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the best things about RPGs, the story is what you make it. You know, and so it's just, there's no risk. It's no right or wrong. Hi, Rocco. You know, and so why the setting? So we can do with everything. So they would do like, so what's next? <laughs> Head over to, you know, Google Classroom for that. So they would go back to Google Classroom and they would go to their classwork. And do, 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 I have too much stuff. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, view more. So I did this every two days 
every two days for six oh, different classes. Wow. But session zero, they had to find definitions for the words because they needed to know what we were going to talk about. Mm-hmm. So what's a supervillain? What's a superhero? What's an adventure? So what's an NPC, PC, cooperative game? And they just, what's the purpose of a mask? Because a lot of kids and just ourselves, we, we don't really know our identities just yet. I don't think we ever will because we're always changing. So it's really cool for kids to kind of put on a different mask during this time. And so because I didn't have them around the circle, um, I had to do what was called hard framing, where I presented a scenario. And so how they got points is, I don't know if you could see this, mm-hmm. is I would write basically the scenario. So like this one's like, we hope you'll read this request. Please help us solve this mystery. And then I would say, all right, team, we've heard the request. I have some ideas on where to go from here. Grabs marker. And they would write, you know, I would do this. I would do that. I would do that. And I had sixth through eighth grade. And yeah, that that's kind of what I did. It was very cool. Do you sleep? (laughs) Yes, I did. Well, I wanted to do something fun because the thing with my kids is one, it's COVID, they're home. They're not going to want to do my work. They're still going to pass on. Grades didn't matter. Two, what's something I'm not going to pull my hair out about? Three, I've always had an idea to do an RPG unit via Google Classroom. (laughs) I'm going to do that. And um, it was something fun. And one of the hard things that came up is that a lot of kids, you know, I wanted them to get deeper, which would be in the classroom. But they all did it. And based on the answers, I had six, seven, ten different answers from different people. So I had to put that in there. So I, I, bet, po- you, I mm-hmm. bet you got a lot more participation, more contributions from your students than, than if you Oh my gosh, just, yes. More. You know, done drama more, standards. Yeah. Yeah, like more. Because there are so many other teachers that were having them do so much. I'm like, I just want something that if they said they need to send the letter, they sent a letter. It's okay. And they still got their points. So like what I'm doing, I got um, those choose your own adventure books, Jeff. Yeah. They donated some to me. So I'm going to start creating the choose your own adventures and transfer them into Google classroom and like Google docs. So if people want to experience it, they can do that type of stuff. That's great. Super cool. Jeez. (laughs) No. Like, I'll say, what am I doing with my life? No, I feel I'm like, like I just want to relax all day and do nothing. Lydia's like, I gotta write ten more RPGs by noon. Oh my gosh, I I want to not. <laughs> I'm still, it's like I've kind of like with everything. It's I appreciate all the kind words people have said because I kind of feel like sometimes I'm not making an impact a little bit, and I kind of really that's my goal is to make an impact and to bring awareness. Yeah, yeah, you know, especially with breaking down board games. I started to during COVID, like writing curriculum to each game. Like, so if people want to teach their kids unschooling, game schooling, homeschooling, and they want to teach like a terraforming Mars, but like as a science unit, they could do so. So yeah, you're making a difference. Let's just put that out there. Well, we're going to do everything we can to spread your What disease? <laughs> what are you talking about, Nelly? It's like hmm. your ideas. 
<laughs> your well, coronavirus. I, well, I know it's I like I need to come up there because I want to come up there and visit because I have some yeah. foods up there I need to eat. I miss so bad. I, Frida Batitas is one of my favorite places. But he wants to go to Ann Arbor. That's what she's Okay. Oh. <laughs> no, but they have, they have a Frida's in Detroit, though. Mm. That's much closer to me. Yes. Yeah. Right. So that's kind of my goal is to get back up there and have like a foodie adventure. Yeah. Once awesome. we can like open a country or we. And a gaming adventure. See too. Each other. Yeah. I think that would be like really fun. Yeah. Be super Absolutely. Fun. Yeah. Oh, have I feel a seat so bad at our table. Essen is not yes. happening now. Cause man, you were going to go to Essen. That's so cool. Yeah. I was going to be like, pay for me. And I'm like, no, I'm going to go. Cause it, I would do like board games in the classroom. And I had thoughts of doing the board games in the classroom with Gen Con online. But one of the things that, the whole with Jeff and I, I just feel it's more personal if we're together. And then with all this COVID stuff, I would incorporate more. Oh, how you could do it in the classroom and have actual participants play. Yeah, and we can play the game. We, you know, we plan to play a couple games with everybody that were there. Yeah, that, oh, that's cool. so much cooler than just you know. We could easily just pull up a PowerPoint, but people yeah. can go online and just read it. So yeah. we're sitting yeah. in person. So yeah, better. like if you're coming here, what are we gonna? How are we gonna make it interactive? Yeah. How are you gonna make so it? I was going to be presenting at Origins Online before you know that that all fell through. Yeah. And it was, and we were gonna lead. I was gonna lead a Sunday virtual gaming session where I would teach oh. people how to play the games that I've taught with my kids in the board game classroom. So it was very frustrating, so to speak, with everything happening. Because it was an opportunity that I've worked hard to get approved for. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, that whole that just yeah. fell apart, didn't it? Right. But you know what? It's their boss. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's absolutely. just delayed. It's not absolutely. over. It's just delayed. It's just delayed. Right. And just think about how much more I can improve. We're going so, to do. And, yep. Yep. So now you have, you have more that. time. You have more. Yeah. Right. You have more knowledge. Right. Now exactly. not only will you introduce Google or board games in the classroom, you can teach how to do it online as well. Yeah. So I, I, I view it as kind of like a blessing in disguise, you mm -hmm. know, it's cause I'm so busy. Like I'm in grad school. I'm doing like curriculum work. Oh, I want to just animal cross all day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> agreed. And yeah, I, and I had, um, I've been really wanting to play with my kids, you know, but I feel like I want them to have a summer and I want them to cope and be with their family. So sure. I've always extended the invitation like, Hey, I'm always open for board games. So if they want to contact me, they want to contact me. And I feel like that's a really big thing with introducing board games to youth is to realize to not make it forced. Like I said before, you need to make sure that they have that open communication that is always open. There are times I didn't even want to teach some games. I think I told Jeff, I was like, Jeff, <laughs> I got to teach pitch storm. I don't want to do it. <laughs> but it made them happy and they told me they're yeah. like i'm so glad you do it because it's nice to see people and that and keeps you going and that's like all right it was worth it, it was absolutely worth yep it's like working out on that damn bike behind me i don't want to <laughs> do it any day but then after i'm done i'm like i feel good and fulfilled and write get a curriculum on the cream. damn bike yeah <laughs> yep. exactly yep then Just i can eat this ice cream, cream now <laughs> yep <laughs> at zero <laughs> yeah. exactly <laughs> Lydia, thank you so much for that discussion. That was incredible. That was a very illuminating, very enlightening, and 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 most of all, it was very inspiring. And uh, we really appreciate you taking the time um, to talk to us. And hopefully, like you said, someday you can come up here, or we can go to the gateway to the west and uh, in Missouri. And we not can Missouri. Missouri. Yeah, yeah, we're going to Missouri. Missouri. I'm not going to Missouri. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> if I go there, I, I can't promise I won't call it Missouri. I'll get you, I'll get you some gooey butter cake, some toasted ravioli. Yeah, I'll, take, okay. I'll, take, I'll take you to all my good food spots. And I'm then we'll take some pictures and have right. Zach Photoshop me skinny so we can just... <laughs> <laughs> I think Zach would like that a lot. Okay, <laughs> he would just—he loves Photoshop. That sounds perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, thank you so much for talking with us. We really, really, really appreciate it. Um, and uh, we will talk to you soon. Okay. Definitely. Sounds good. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Wow. That was an incredible discussion that I was not prepared for. Uh, I think I can speak for Jeff and Natalie when I say that none of us were prepared for uh, how amazing that conversation went. So like I said, you can find Lydia on Instagram over at all the worlds of stage 07. And we hope to talk to Lydia again soon in the very near future. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that and we will see you next time.